Welcome back to Love Murder Current Affairs, our show about the stories of love gone fatally wrong that are in the news right now. Well, almost right now. This week, we are doing something a little bit different. The case we're covering is not a case that just happened, but it's a case that's back in the news thanks to a new documentary. The Fire That Took Her is produced by MTV and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It is a story that is as heroic as it is tragic. So trigger warnings for some graphic depictions of violence. Judy Malinowski was the quintessential all-American girl. She grew up in Ohio and had a classic suburban childhood. She loved her brother and sister, competed in beauty pageants, and even became homecoming queen of her high school. Then came the shock. In her 20s, Judy was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Unbelievably, she beat it once, but in 2006 was devastated to learn that the cancer had returned. To fight the disease, Judy underwent a full hysterectomy, and yet even that was not the end of her challenges. Prescribed opiates for the pain during her recovery, Judy soon became addicted. This was precisely the time that the opioid epidemic was exploding across America. When her insurance ran out, she switched from prescribed opiates to heroin on the streets. As her life descended into chaos, her family took care of her two young daughters. Judy never fully succumbed to her addiction, however. She was always trying to fight it and had seemed to be making real progress. That is, until she met Michael Slager. Slager was a rough-and-tumble grifter with a mile-long rap sheet, including theft, stalking, child endangerment, and domestic assault. Judy, however, did not know any of this when they met on social media and started dating. They quickly became inseparable, starting the dark chain of events that would ultimately lead to Judy's death. Slager was incredibly controlling and used drugs as a mechanism to exert his power over Judy. Even though he didn't use drugs himself, he would buy Judy drugs to undermine her recovery and throw her back into addiction. This obviously created a toxic cycle of dependence, which led to explosive fights. Judy had tried to get out of the relationship before, but her drug use seemed to have led police to ignore her pleas for help after Slager threatened her. In the documentary, Judy's mother, Bonnie Bowes, explained how Judy had finally decided that she was the only one who could help herself. Said Bonnie, when police wouldn't listen to her, when detectives wouldn't listen to her, she knew the only way to save her life from Michael, not the drugs, was to find a rehab. That was the only safe place from abuse. On August 2nd, 2015, she was on her way to rehab when everything changed. That day, as Judy headed away from Michael and towards a new life, she and Slager got into a huge fight. This led to Judy throwing a soda at Slager. Slager responded, insanely, by covering her in gasoline and then walking back to his truck across the street to return with a lighter and set Judy aflame. This is beyond words. Horrified onlookers called 911. Those same witnesses would later be called to contradict Slager's lame lie. The brutal attack had just been an accident. When Judy arrived at the hospital, her prognosis was grim. Nurses on duty at the time recalled that she had burns across more than 80% of her body. And based on their standard estimates for mortality, Judy had a 110% chance of dying. In other words, it was almost guaranteed. Meanwhile, the cops on the scene of the crime were absolutely disgusted with what they found. Lead detective Chad Cohagan said that it looked like a movie scene. Slager's claim that Judy was, quote, accidentally set on fire wasn't just contradicted by eyewitness statements, but by surveillance footage on a nearby ATM. Cohagan said that the footage clearly showed that they were arguing 
And then Michael dumped gas over her. So we knew right away that Michael's story, he had lied to us. For me, that scene has played out in dreams more times than I can count. For the next few months, the case was in an uncomfortable limbo. Judy had fallen into a coma, barely holding on to her life. Meanwhile, prosecutors were trying to delay. Doctors told them the most likely outcome was Judy passing, and if that happened, they wanted to pin Slager for murder. Assistant Prosecutor Warren Edwards said, I could probably prosecute for another 20 years and not get a case that is so right for the death penalty. For the first several months of this case, we were playing the delay game. Sounds terrible, but we were basically waiting for Judy to die so that we could charge Mr. Slager with the homicide. We got a call one day that she was awake, which is a call I never expected to get. When Judy awoke, she recounted the utter horror of her experience. She said, I don't think words can describe what it feels like to have your whole body set on fire. I thought for sure I was dying. I just prayed to Jesus to please forgive me for my sins and to take care of my children. And that was it. I blacked out. I don't remember anything until I woke up at the hospital. Detective Cohagen said he had, quote, never seen trauma like that to a human body that wasn't deceased. I remember leaning in to talk to her, and she doesn't have any ears to hear, so I don't even know if she can hear me. With Judy alive, Michael Slager was charged with aggravated arson and felonious assault. When his attorneys told him that Judy might testify via video, he decided to plead no contest, knowing his lawyer said that any jury in the world would despise him. The judge sentenced Slager to the maximum 11 years, publicly saying if there was any way to lock him up for longer, she would have. Speaking directly to Slager at the sentencing, the judge said, you really do seem like one of those people that have no soul and you need to be incarcerated. Yeah, it's just so confusing to me because I feel like if he already had a mile-long rap sheet, I don't understand how an aggravated assault like this can't get longer penalties. Well, there's just limitations and statutes on how much you can give for each type of crime. I know, but if it's like you keep reoffending and reoffending and reoffending... <laughs> That's why somebody's got to change the law, Andy. And on that note, <laughs> the life that Judy had left, meanwhile, was a struggle both unchosen and chosen. Over the next two years, she would undergo nearly 60 surgeries, including a number of extremely painful skin grafts and other procedures. At that same time, she and her family were fighting to change the law. Frustrated by Slager's light sentence, Judy led an effort to change Ohio state law to increase the available sentencing for attackers in crimes that leave victims permanently disfigured. Judy's sister Danielle said in the documentary, there was this part of her that wanted to make it and to live to fight for every other woman that had been through something like that. She definitely wanted the law to change and she was willing to do whatever she needed to do to help change the law. Amazingly, her efforts worked and a measure expanding the penalties available for this type of crime was passed and signed into law. Devastatingly, Judy's condition was deteriorating. She had fought harder than anyone could have expected to. But as it became clear that she wouldn't be able to fight much longer, prosecutors came to her with an idea. It wasn't just Judy and her family who had been upset at Slager's sentence. The entire prosecutorial team had been extremely frustrated as well. With the end approaching, they asked Judy if she would record a testimony against her attacker for what was clearly going to be her inevitable murder trial. Victims had testified in their own defense before, but a murder victim had never testified at their own trial in this way. The problem was that to ensure lucid testimony, 
her pain medication would have to be significantly limited during the testimony. In an act of defiance and sheer will, Judy strained against her own body and unimaginable pain to tell the prosecutors and future jury what had happened. After she had thrown the drink at Slager, Judy recounted that he ran around to the other side of his truck and he got these cans of gasoline that he kept in the back of his truck. He ran around me and started pouring gasoline, started at my head and worked his way down. Some got in my throat as he did that. That burnt really bad. After that, Judy said, Slager, quote, backed away from me for about 30 seconds. I kept telling him to please help me and stop and I'll get in the truck. I'll go with you. And he pulled a lighter out of his pocket and he started walking toward me. I just remember crying and begging for help and he lit me on fire. And the look in his eyes, his eyes went black, literally. After I was set on fire and he backed away, his eyes just turned black as I screamed for his help and he did nothing. Because this was testimony meant for a trial, Slager's attorneys were allowed to cross-examine Judy. Despite trying to drag her drug history into the case, Judy stood firm, recounting how it was Slager himself who intentionally got her rehooked on heroin and how the attack wasn't the first time he had threatened her life. Less than five months after giving testimony, sadly, Judy's body gave up and she passed away. On June 27, 2017, she passed away at the age of 33. Slager was charged with murder and in July 2018 pleaded guilty. Despite assistant prosecutor Edwards' belief about how right the case was for the death penalty, this isn't what Judy wanted. She held out hope that he would find religion and some real penance, and Slager was sentenced to life in prison. On September 7, 2017, Judy's family would stand together hand-in-hand at the Ohio State House as Judy's law was enacted. Her daughter said simply, Mommy did not die in vain. The end of Judy's life wasn't just about ensuring her killer would be put away forever or even about changing the law to help future families in her terrible situation. It was much more importantly about her own family. Before she died, Judy made her mother, Bonnie Bowes, promise to help her daughters, Kaylin and Madison, make it to college. Recounting the story to People magazine, Bonnie said that Judy told her, Mom, you have to teach them to be successful. They have to go to college. They have nothing. They have no inheritance. They don't have parents. I know that your resources are limited. You have to help them understand that they have to get it right the first time. Judy also added some ground rules for the tough teenage years. Bonnie remembered she said they couldn't go to a dance until their 11th grade year of high school. She's all, they'll just be a bag of hormones. Make them wait at least until their third year. The last thing that Judy told her daughters was, I love you. Remember, you're both the color of my heart. The director of the new documentary, The Fire That Took Her, Patricia Gillespie, first read about the story in a newspaper article that wasn't even front page news and was blown away. Gillespie told The Independent, I didn't have the privilege of meeting Judy in real life, but the absence that she created in the lives of these people that I've come to care about very deeply shows a tremendous amount of love and humor and grit and somebody who was really ready to get her life together. And it was cut short because we haven't figured out a way to handle these cracks in the system that she slipped through, right? Patricia continued, we haven't figured out a way to handle the medical industrial complex and big pharma. We haven't figured out a way to handle addiction. We haven't figured out a way to, most importantly, handle domestic abusers, repeat offenders, and to sentence these people properly when they do commit these crimes. She could have really been easily cast in this archetypical role of a victim, which in American society tends to be very passive. 
to attract a lot of pity. And instead of playing that role out, she completely subverted that idea and became a hero. Everybody should know about this woman. I'm really glad they released this documentary, even though it's extremely hard to watch. I am too. (sighs) Because everyone should know her name and especially her daughter should know the sacrifices she made to change the laws and to help women and people who are victims of abuse of every gender. All of these points that her horrible case made are all very important and affect many people. We will be making a donation to Judy's foundation. And if you would like to as well, please go to the notes section of this episode where there will be a link. We'll probably put something up on our social media as well. Wow. So this was really heavy, guys, but I'm hoping we all are taking something from this. And until next time, I'm Jesse Prey. And I'm Andy Cassette, signing off for Love Murder Current Affairs. 